0: Hello and welcome to the Prepwell Podcast, the place to be if your child wants to attend a top-tier college, a military service academy, or they want to earn an ROTC or athletic scholarship. I'm Phil Black, your host and my job is to prepare you and your child for this amazing journey. So sit back, buckle up, and prepare to outprepare. Hello friends and welcome back to the Prepwell podcast. This week I want to discuss the prospects of getting admitted, to a UC school. For those of you not from California or the West Coast, UC schools are University of California schools, which are public universities. They represent the nine different schools or campuses up and down the coast of California. And they are comprised of the following. Number one, UCLA, which is in LA. UC Berkeley, in Berkeley. UC San Diego in San Diego. Number four, UC Irvine. Number five, UC Davis. Number six, UC Santa Barbara. Number seven, UC Santa Cruz. Number eight, UC Merced. And number nine, UC Riverside. Now, these are different from what are called CSU schools or California State Universities. There are 23 CSU schools, which include SDSU, which is San Diego State University, or CS Fullerton, Cal State Fullerton, Cal State San Marcos, Cal State Long Beach, Cal State SLOW, or St. Louis Obispo, and so on. When comparing these two systems, the UC system and the CSU system, most would say that the UC schools are more competitive, stronger academically, and generally more quote-unquote prestigious. That's not to say that UC schools are necessarily better than CSU schools. I think I can make an argument for the merits of both tracks pretty easily. But most high-aspiration students, academically motivated students, focus their attention on the UC schools first and the CSU schools second. And let's keep in mind that UC schools are not only popular with California students, they are wildly popular with students from All over the country and all over the world, and thus they've become very competitive from an admissions point of view. And before we dive into just how competitive these schools have become, let's talk briefly about why UC schools are so popular. Number one location. Obviously, all UC schools are in California. The climate is great, the sun is out, there are palm trees everywhere, beautiful beaches, beautiful bodies. The ocean, nearly unlimited outdoor recreational activities, from surfing to skating to snowboarding to sunbathing. It's certainly not hard to convince teenagers to go to a college a few miles from the beach, if not closer. Number two, high academics. UC schools are strong academically. They're well-resourced. They attract talented faculty. They have sometimes elaborate research facilities. They offer a wide range of technical and non-technical majors, with a big emphasis on the STEM fields. How about the proximity to industry? Many UC schools are located near industry hotspots. The tech industry, the entertainment industry, the biotech industry, the sports industry, the real estate industry. Prospective students like the idea that if they play their cards right, they can potentially parlay their college experience into a job in an industry of their choice in the same general region. There's also one application for all nine campuses. With nine UC schools to choose from, you don't have to narrow your choice down to one school or one campus. Chances are that there are a few UC campuses that you'd like to attend, and conveniently enough, you only have to fill out one application the so-called UC application, to apply to as many UC campuses as you like. You can check off one campus or all nine campuses with just one application. How about relative affordability? For in-state students, that is, students who reside in California, the cost to attend a UC school is about half, 50%, of an equivalent private or public school outside of California, or an equivalent private school inside California. For example, it will cost about $50,000 a year for an in-state student to attend a UC school, like UCLA, compared to $100,000 a year to attend a private college inside California, like Pepperdine, or a private college out-of-state like Bowdoin, or a public college out-of-state, like UVA, $50,000 a year versus $100,000 a year is a pretty big difference. And if you think that the academics and or other facets of UC schools are the equivalent or maybe even better than those of more expensive alternatives, then the UC schools start to look pretty enticing. And lastly, test-blind. Another factor that has made UC schools so attractive is the fact that they do not accept SAT or ACT scores. It's not that submission of these scores is optional, as is the case with almost every other school. The UC schools intentionally will not consider how you performed on these standardized tests. No matter how well you did, they don't want to know. Even if you received a perfect 1600 on the SAT, or a perfect 36 on the ACT, they don't want to know about it. There is no place to submit these scores on the application. Or if there is, it will be hidden from the admissions officers on purpose. This test-blind policy encourages a lot of students to apply to UC schools. Many, many, many more students than used to apply when an SAT or an ACT score was required just a few years ago. Because, after all, most students who are serious about college get mostly A's and B's in their classes. So, if there's no SAT or ACT score to separate the wheat from the chaff, everyone feels like they have a chance to get in, and thus everyone applies. I could go on and on, but I think I've painted a pretty clear picture about why so many students are applying to UC schools. In fact, I believe I saw recently seven of the top 10 colleges who received the most applications in the country were UC schools. Seven of the top 10, starting with UCLA at the top of the list with about 150,000 applications, down to UC Davis, I believe, had on the order of 110,000 applications. The rub here is that with so many applications, it becomes harder and harder to gain admissions due to the sheer numbers alone. Think about it. UCLA, for example, enrolls only about 8,000 students per class, per incoming class. So if 150,000 students apply and they can only enroll about 8,000 per class, that's a lot of disappointed students, like 140,000 of them. And you can guess how many of those 140,000 had incredibly compelling applications a lot of them. So this begs the question, how do I know whether I'll get into UCLA or UCSD or UC Berkeley or any UC school for that matter? The numbers are obviously not in my favor, no matter how great I am. How do I prove that I'm worthy? How can I distinguish myself among a sea of 150,000 other applicants? I'm a strong student, I've done a ton of extracurricular activities. I'm a leader in my high school. I've demonstrated interest. I have a great SAT score. I have stellar letters of recommendation. My personal statement is compelling. I know what I want to major in. I was born and raised in California. Does any of this even matter anymore? The short answer is no, given the way UC admissions is set up and their criteria for accepting students none of that likely matters. Even if you're an absolute rock star student, I would not count on getting into a specific UC campus of your choice, especially UCLA, UCSD, UC Berkeley. They tend to be some of the more popular campuses. Now, if you check every box showing that you're interested in every one of the nine UC campuses, which is easy to do, and you're highly qualified, You'll likely come out with a few campuses that accept you, and UCLA may be one of them, but I wouldn't count on putting all of my hopes and dreams on one campus in particular. That is, of course, unless you check one of the magic boxes. These magic boxes include recruited athlete, first-generation college student, LGBTQIA+, or if you have some other... DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Related Affiliation. If you check one of those magic boxes and the campus needs students with that particular magic box background, which is their highest priority these days, then your chances of getting in likely go up. Now, you might be wondering to yourself, I don't get it. I'm a highly qualified applicant, maybe even overqualified for many UC schools, I have an extremely strong background. I've done everything in my power and more to make myself an attractive candidate for college admissions officers. I've been at this since freshman year. I live in California. My parents have spent ungodly sums of money in state taxes that fund these schools. So help me out here. Apart from the insane number of applications that obviously don't help my cause, why should my chances of getting into a UC school? be any worse than they would be for getting into any other college. Well, there are a whole bunch of reasons. Let me offer today two reasons. Reason number one, the UC test-blind policy that says no SAT or ACT score is allowed. Yes, that is the primary reason for the absurd increase in number of applications as we discussed, but that's not where it ends. As I noted earlier, if you happen to score well or very well on one of these standardized tests, you will not get credit for that in the UC admissions process. They don't want to know about your SAT or ACT score. Otherwise, they would let you submit a score if you wanted to, and they would consider it. When it comes to standardized test scores, in the UC admissions process, every applicant is the same that is there are no scores to consider or compare or evaluate submitting your sat score is not optional like it is at almost every other school where at least you have the option to show how well you did how smart you are uc schools are forbidden from seeing your score so the fact that you crushed the sat because you've been an avid reader since the age of six and you spent a year meticulously going through the free Khan Academy modules, and you've been grinding math problems in your spare time for months, and putting a lot of time and effort and energy into preparing for this test, doesn't matter for the UC schools. With respect to how well you perform on an SAT, an objective measure of your intelligence with a 30-year track record, by the way, You are treated the same way as a student who didn't spend one minute preparing or even thinking about the SAT. UC Admissions considers this policy a way to make things more fair and more equitable. They don't want to compare SAT scores of their students. In fact, they don't want any type of official record of the SAT scores of the students they admit. Because if they collect these scores... Even if they hide them, people would ask for that information, and UC Admissions would not want to give that information up. And I think we all know the reasons why they wouldn't want to publicize these scores. So unfortunately, if you are someone with a strong SAT or ACT score, you've been defanged. The admissions officers will never know how you did, and that's the way they want it. Those objective measures are off the table. Now, you might be thinking, well, that sucks. I really wish I could share my SAT score. I'm proud of it. I worked really hard for that score. And my academic ability is part of my identity. But I have an idea. What if I have my math teacher, who is writing my letter of recommendation, make note of my SAT score in the letter of recommendation, along with how well I've done in their class and how much time I spend Tutoring my classmates and how above and beyond I go in terms of class participation, and the quality of my research paper that I turned in, and the feedback that I got from my math internship this summer. Wouldn't that work? Isn't that a creative way to let the UC admissions officers know how well I did on the SAT? And my response would be that's not a bad strategy. I like where your head is with that. Unfortunately, UC schools do not accept letters of recommendations from math teachers or English teachers or your guidance counselor or anyone else. Sorry. Not only will that teacher not be able to slip in your outstanding SAT score, but they won't be able to discuss any of those other wonderful things you did to stand out from the crowd. They don't want to hear about such things. And reason number two, of many reasons you can't specify which UC campus you're most interested in. In other words, if you've checked off multiple UC campuses on your UC application, which you should do to hedge your bets, there's no way to demonstrate your particular interest in any one of the campuses. For example, if you checked off six different UC campuses, it would be awkward to mention that you really only want to go to UCLA or you only want to go to UC Santa Barbara, Because the same application goes to all of the campuses. Do you really want the UCSD admissions officer reading about how you only really care about UCLA? I don't think so. So there's no real way to differentiate which campuses you like more or less. They're all the same. Sound familiar? In the end, no matter how much of a rock star you are, UC schools only review a very limited amount of information on purpose. They will see your GPA, which we've discussed ad nauseum about how little information this really provides in this era of grade inflation, especially since most students have roughly the same grades, mostly A's, maybe a few B's. A 4.3 GPA is not going to be wowing anyone and certainly won't elevate you from among 150,000 applicants. They will see your extracurricular activities. There's some room here to show a pattern of interest that could be helpful, but you can only say so much about your extracurriculars in 350 characters, which is just a few sentences. They will see your four mini essays, also known as PIQs, personal insight questions. These are paragraph length mini essays about leadership and adversity and identity, and the usual generic questions. This gives you a little bit of room to operate, but not that much. And they'll see what major you're interested in. And, Lord help you, if you happen to pick a favorite, like psychology or business or computer science, understand that you're up against a ton of other students who are interested in that very same thing. And that's about it. Your grades, where strong academic students will all look about the same, your extracurriculars, where most students will have some combination of speech and debate, and robotics club, and student government, and I played sport XYZ, and I was in band. They'll see your four mini essays, which can only be so compelling, one paragraph each, and what you're interested in majoring in. And that's it, those four things. So how, you might ask, are the admissions officers supposed to pick the 10,000 people they like, out of the 150,000 applicants with no additional information? No SAT, no ACT, no letters of recommendation, no 650-word personal statement. That's a great question. And if you then overlay this with the institutional demands and priorities of seeking out specific applicants with very specific DEI and other related in-demand demographics, you end up with a black box that is unpredictable at best and random at worst. The moral of the story is, do the best you can. Fill out the application as best you can, put your best foot forward, but manage your expectations. If you are a truly outstanding candidate, but have no magic boxes to check off, you should hope for the best, but plan for the worst. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support. In case you didn't know, this podcast supports Prep Academy's online mentoring program, where high schoolers and their parents receive weekly videos from me where I break down important topics and give timely advice about college admissions, particularly for top-tier colleges, service academies, and for ROTC and athletic scholarships. Many parents who listen to this podcast already have their high schoolers enrolled in PrepWell Academy, which is great. If you don't yet, please consider enrolling them. Registration is only open during freshman or sophomore year. After that, we no longer accept new students. So if you have a freshman or sophomore in high school, and you like what you're hearing in these podcasts, and you'd like to get more content like this, tailored specifically for your child, for their specific grade, and with their specific goals in mind, go to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll today. If you know a parent with a middle schooler or high schooler that might find this helpful, please share the episode with them. And give us a rating if you have a chance. Word of mouth and positive ratings help our podcasts reach a much wider audience. If you have questions, comments, or you have an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email, DM me on Instagram, check out our blog, our Facebook page, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads-up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll your child today.